I'm Dana Lloyd. Welcome to Soul Sister Conversations, the podcast, where you will be inspired and empowered to connect more deeply with your authentic self as we explore topics of personal development, leadership, and spirituality. Your journey to your most authentic self starts right now. We are going to be slowing down in today's episode. You're going to meet Angela Wooden, a homesteader, textile artisan, and a student of nature. We are going to be exploring the art of slow living. This episode is less about homesteading and more about mindfulness, slowing down, and connection. Perhaps it will do for you as it did for me. Stir up great memories from childhood and reminders about living your most authentic life. Welcome, Angela Wooden, to Soul Sister Conversations. Hi, Dina. Thank you for having this conversation with me today. Uh, I'm thinking that it's going to be about the art of slow living. Uh, That idea attracted me when I saw your Instagram post about your homestead and what you're doing. And uh, your website's under angelastitches.ca. Is that correct? Yes. Right now. Yeah. So that's how they can originally find you. So if people want to check out what we're talking about. Um, And you practice the art of slow living and herbalism in Southern New Brunswick. You are the face and textile artisan behind Angela Stitches of a stitched homestead. And through your work, you hope to connect Uh, your community to traditions, local fibers, foods, and remedies, which I love that. And when you visit your website, the first uh, uh, thing you see on the page is, welcome to our handcrafted life. Here you will find stories, thoughts, musings, knitting, gardening, and everyday bits of life on our little homestead. Um, And I like your little, I don't know if it's a tagline, but it's planted, stitched, planted, grown, stitched, and sewn. And um, what is the art of slow living? The art of slow living. I think it's different for everybody, really. Um, For myself, it's um, it's that homesteading life, slowing down, um, being mindful of what I do day to day, or what we do here at home. It's we do a lot of home cooked meals, um, a lot of gardening, a lot of just slow, slow, slow living. But I think the overall, when you people, I got looking after we were talking about um, me being on the podcast here. And so I was like, really, what is the art of slow living? Like, I know what it is to me, but for everybody else. So when, when other people hear it, they, I think it's, um, it's making mindful uh, choices about how we live our lives and not being in that constant state of rush and going and doing and just kind of doing more of what's important to you in the moment rather than everything, trying to do everything all the time, I think is slow, slow living. So it's not so much about whether it's planting and gardening and sowing. It's more about mindfulness and connect it with the things that you choose to do. Do you I think? think so? That's, that's my take on slow living. That's where I'm at with it. But a lot of yours has to do with sowing, planting, and gardening. A lot of mine is, yeah. Yeah. Because you have a homestead that you that you use, that you, I guess you, I guess, is it living off the land? Is that what you call it? Using the land? Being in relation to the land? Um, all of it, I think. <laughs> um, we garden. 
we um, and for herbalism, I wildcraft. I grow a lot of my own herbs, make a lot of um, tinctures and herbal teas and herbal remedies. Um, you know, we have some chickens, you know, your regular old homestead <laughs> go-tos. And we collect eggs every day in the summer and spring and fall. Not right now. Um, <laughs> but That's yeah. Neat. Yeah. And then there's... Um, crafting and making and and doing we build a lot of our own everything if we can build it we'll do it mm. and why do you live this lifestyle um because you could get caught up in you know a lot of people don't that's the way we used to live and i relate to this lifestyle a lot because it's what my great grandparents and grandparents um a lot of what they did but you don't see a lot of people living that way today because of the culture that we live in we live in a very fast paced world so why do you choose to to continue living in this manner um i think a lot of it is that's just how i grew up that's kind of how my husband grew well more me it's me <laughs> um his parents both worked but for myself it's it's um I shouldn't say that his parents did both work but his mother looked after the household so I guess yeah we both just kind of grew up like that and um I just I mean I've worked outside of the home over the years and it's just not for me I'm not I'm not, nope, got to do it for myself. Because <laughs> mm. what you're doing is a lot of work, right? Like, you know, I have a small garden and, you know, that that alone will keep me occupied in the summertime. And then it usually, you know, doesn't do so well near the end of summer because I'm neglecting it. So to really, um, to live this lifestyle, it's, it's laborious, you know, everything requires mm -hmm. a lot of attention. So what about that attracts you to that kind of lifestyle? I just love it. I'm, I don't know if it's an what does attraction. It do it's, it's, um, well, it's fulfilling really. Is, what about it's fulfilling? Is it oh, like all your of, hands well, in the dirt? <laughs> oh yeah. It's everything. Um, from starting those seeds at the beginning of the year to, you know, watching them grow and you get to harvest and then preserving it. And you get to enjoy that through winter and on into spring and, hopefully a little bit further, depending on how your harvest went and just making your own things and having that connection from beginning to end and a piece of you in your work. It's mm. fulfilling in, for me in all ways, I guess. I get that. And you said that your grandmother was a big inspiration or, mm -hmm. and even on your website, when you read about who you are, <laughs> obviously greatly influenced by different people in your life that mm -hmm. you want to continue this lifestyle, that it brings you great joy. Can you speak to that a little bit about how you grew up or who, how and why those people were inspiring to you? Um, my grandmother, I lived with my grandmother growing up. Um, well, it was actually, it was a very blended home. <laughs> um, when I was little, my parents were very young when they had me and I lived with my father who, like I said, was young. So he had still lived at home and there was uh, my aunts, they were living at home, but my grandmother was my biggest influence. And I used to tag along behind her when she went out to the strawberry patch, tending that. And I just thought that was amazing. I probably ate more than 
-hmm. I actually helped her pick, but, and then she would make jams from that. And she had a rhubarb patch out back and, you know, jams and pies. And we had, my aunt and uncle had a large garden um, on the property. And that was always a big to do getting the, getting the rows made and putting the fertilizer in the ground and just watching them plant and work and dig and everybody getting their hands in the dirt and watching all the plants grow and, and getting right down in that. I can remember, you know, tagging along behind them, everybody while they're lugging water down to the field to water the vegetables and you know, just being out in nature and then all of that. And then everybody, you know, harvest time and then that all coming in and everybody sitting in the kitchen, slicing cucumbers and making pickles and that smell, it's the memory of it Mm -hmm. is it. Then when I do it myself, it's takes me back, I guess, to, to being there. But yeah. And just my grandmother was a real DIY crafty. So I guess I pick a lot of that up from her and And what I'm hearing when I hear you say that, you're conjuring up a lot of memories for me, similar kinds of (laughs) memories from my childhood. But what I'm hearing is the connection, the community. You know, I think, uh, you know, I hate to harp on that point of we don't do a lot of that these days. We live a different kind of lifestyle, but there's something comforting uh, about watching all the people working in unison to create something. And I have these images of, you know, making chow in the kitchen and how, you know, nothing more fun than that as a kid. I mean, of course, I wasn't doing all the work. I just got to (laughs) see them, um, you know, feed all the green tomatoes. And I got to do the churning of that big grinder that was attached to the side of the kitchen table. And, but you got to do all of these fun things like baking and fun. And, but I think at the time I probably didn't realize what it was, you know, you're being immersed with all the women that were in the kitchen at the time and, and just connecting with them. And then you get to, like, say you eat the fruits of your labor, you get to, um, you know, or even, I don't, you know, you probably did this as a kid. Like I would visit my, my great grandfather and they had a large garden. And in those days, you know, we didn't buy processed food because, you know, that was actually expensive. So we didn't really have much of that. So if you were hungry out running in the field, you stopped and grabbed a carrot or a radish, you wiped it off the dirt in the grass and you ate it. You know, you weren't running in the house for a snack because you weren't allowed to be in the cupboards, you know, yeah, <laughs> that, that was trouble. Um, so you're conjuring up all these memories for me. And I'm sure if people are listening, listening along who had any of those experiences, you know, you're bringing those to light. Um, you, you said one of the things you said, there's an energy to homemade. And I think anybody who is a maker can relate to that. But what is, how do you see that or relate to that idea that there's energy in something that's homemade? Um, wow. I see you say it and then you got to think about what. <laughs> <laughs> that's what makes it so good. Because <laughs> I agree, you know, and I've heard other people say that when you give a homemade gift, right? What is happening when there's that energy in, in something that you've made, whether it's cooking or uh, mitts or. I, th- I think it's you. I think it's your energy. If you make something um, in a moment of joy and mindfulness, whether no matter what it is, if it's something that you wear or something that you eat or uh, like artwork on the wall, I think you're going to feel you're going to feel that you're going to be able to tell in the stitches that it was put together in you know in peace um the food 
if you make something in, you know, hurried or when you don't really want to do it, you're kind of mad and you're mixing it up. You sit down to eat that. I think you taste it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like I, I, think, uh, yes. I think you taste. So I think that's the energy that goes into it. Artwork. I mean, depending on, on the wall, when you hang a photo, what, you know, the feeling that you, you get from it is maybe what the artist envisioned. Maybe it's not, mm-hmm. but there's still an energy to it. It's, yeah, I, I think that's what the energy behind handmade is. You, yeah, I love that. The mood. Yeah. I, I, you, you said you can tell in the stitches that it was made in peace. I'm like, oh my God, I feel like a little bubble just went around me when I say those words because it's so true. And even like, as you're pointing out, um, you know, if you look at a piece of artwork, whether that what the artist intended, it almost feels like a co-creation of energy. The artist created something with their energy and by you viewing it, you're getting something from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's something so truthful to that. I, I know I find when I decorate my home, I don't have a lot of purchase things from, well, I guess I have some because I have no choice to put them on the wall, but I, I'm trying to decorate the space. And I don't like when I have to go to Marshall's and find a picture that pulls in the color. I'd rather have something original in some way um, that speaks to me versus some manufactured thing. I think that's the draw to this slow living. It's the connection to everything, the people, you know, all around you. I think so. so. Yeah. Mm. How do you balance slow living with modern day life, like managing social media and being a part of that world? And that, that takes, that takes, I can't think of the right word for it, but it's, you can get so, you can go down that rabbit hole and you can get sucked in for hours and hours and hours and just lose your day, which happens sometimes, but Mm -hmm. I think it's, you need to use it intentionally. Like, what are you, you need to plan your day. You need to divide up your time. You can't just sit and, and mindlessly scroll on Facebook or Instagram or Pinterest or whatever. If you need, you got to use those things with intention and that, yeah, that, that, that does become a bit of a struggle sometimes, but I think that's um, the biggest thing with my blog is to just, you know, kind of like write some and once a month just sit and, write a post out and post it and have that be my month's worth of writings or whatever on the internet. And if I need to search something up, I'll look at it. But it's during the busy seasons, I really don't pay too much attention to it. I just have my own things to do and yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, other than social media, because that's a really obvious one for us to to talk about, what would be other things that would be your struggles or disruptors with um, living that slow, mindful life? Because I think a lot of people can relate to whatever it is that might be your disruptor is probably also ours. Hmm. Probably feeling like I didn't do enough in the day. <laughs> Mm-hmm. maybe um, beating myself up over that. I'm not really sure. I think it's just, I don't know. I never thought about that, to be honest. 
Well, I think your point is something that we can all relate to is this beating ourselves up because that is something feeling like we haven't done enough. I mean, isn't that the ultimate in our ego saying that, you know, you know, you're trying to live a slow life and you're like, come on, get more done versus being at peace with what, Mm. what got done or needed to get done. Right. So I think you're pointing to something common. Yeah. And, and that's where there's always tomorrow. Like if it doesn't get done today, tomorrow is a new day and we can, finish what we didn't get done today and start something new. I mean, it's going to be there and prioritizing too what needs to be done, you know, what, what needs to be weeded or what needs to be knit, mended, what needs to be baked, what needs to be refilled in the cupboard. It's, it's kind of just prioritizing and being mindful about what you're doing day to day. Mm. And what has slow living taught you about living your most authentic life? Oh, gee. Mm. to not care just to not care what everybody else is doing mm. I think is I that think hard these are questions that I really haven't thought about <laughs> I think so <laughs> that's okay uh, isn't that a great place for it <laughs> but that that's a great one to not care about what everybody but else is. is doing yeah because I think that's a big I, I, rabbit hole with social media you know comparison life mm-hmm all of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah. yeah. Do you feel you're living your most authentic life doing what you're doing? I think I'm getting there. I think so. Mm. I, I, I can't see myself doing anything else. Like I said, I, I've worked out of the home and it's just not for me. That's not me. I'm not an office girl. I'm not your cashier. I'm not, I've done those things and I'm not, it's not for me. I don't mm. do well in those environments I'm better suited at home or in a garden or tending animals or or doing whatever that is related to homesteading is is that's why I'm here that's why I do what I do yeah what do you what do you want people to know about this way of life that we mightn't recognize or realize the value in it I mean we don't do it like we used to so well, for one, everybody can do it, whether it's, you know, small scale on your balcony in the city, having a small container gardens and just taking a few moments of your day to enjoy having your hands in the dirt and watching something grow to full scale having, you know, acreage upon acreage and barns and animals it's no one size fits all it's making the most of what you have in the moment and finding yourself in that and yes just being mindful about what you do whether you you know even when you're making your cup of coffee in the morning just you know slow down and enjoy the drip and the smell and the sounds of the coffee bubbling or and then just sit sit with that for a moment. I know we're always in a rush in the morning. Some people are, you know, to get to where you got to be. But get up that, you know, even if it's five minutes earlier to just enjoy a few moments. It's so true. It's more about the mindfulness, mm-hmm. isn't it? I like to enjoy the drip, right? Like we can all enjoy the drip, yeah. the coffee. <laughs> we don't oh, need yeah. a homestead to enjoy the drip. <laughs> no, no, just... Yeah. For me, slow living is homesteading. Yeah. Mm. Which sounds you know, so, 
Yeah, no, go ahead. Which sounds like it's not slow living, but for me it is. It's, it's, yeah, it's the mindfulness of what I do day to day. It's so much. I used to live uh, near Toronto, lived in Mississauga, lived in a very busy area, you know, houses all crammed in together. You know, I had a postage stamp lot and used to have to like carry my lawnmower through my house to mow my grass, which my my East Coast father thought was ridiculous. And I always felt very disconnected. Like I felt like a fish out of water when I lived there because I feel like you. It's like that's not where I was geographically supposed to be, but that's what we're doing at the time. And I would seek out anything that looked like a path of grass or a chicken you know (laughs) and there was a place near us that was about about 20 minutes near us in Brampton it was called the apple factory and we would go and visit that place and it was a place that made apple pies and jams and they had chickens running in the yard so similar to uh uh, markets you know that we have Mm -hmm. here and it was just anything where you felt like oh I'm home and I think it was it's like I instinctively knew I needed more connection to I, I wouldn't have been able to articulate that at the time, but I think you're speaking to that. Um, this looking, searching for mindfulness, and I just couldn't find it in a busy city life. Um, but that you don't actually, you know, you can find it, like you say, um, put something on your balcony if it's a pot. You can watch something mm. grow, or yeah, or a plant. I seem to have a hard time keeping those alive. But <laughs> yeah. indoor plants are not my thing, but. Yeah. Or, or taking up a craft, finding something, yes. you know, hobby. Yeah. yeah, sewing, macrame, knitting, painting, you know, whatever speaks to you and being mindful in that. I think that's part of it, too. So true. You call yourself a student of nature. You're an herbalist. What has nature taught you? Mm. There's that slow down. And take it in and connect. That message. <laughs> Slow down. But we, but we need to, we don't. And it's so funny because you think back and it's like our grandparents, that was the way of life was just, I, I don't know. It's Wouldn't speed them up. No, you know, they I guess no. Life. <laughs> yeah. And now we're just, you know, in the car getting from point A to point B as fast as we can. And, you know, getting the job done as fast as we can while we're at work so we can move on to the next thing and then move on to the next thing, move on to the next thing. And there's that when we get out, it's like when you when you go for a hike, you don't just hurry through the woods, do you? You you take in the sounds and the sights and the smells and the just everything. And yeah, and you slow down and listen to it, watch it and just, um, yeah. What healing can nature provide, do you think? What has been your experience? Oh, all kinds. Um, from mentally, physically, oh, emotionally. Um, nature is is our medicine. Nature is our medicine. It really is. When you get down to it, to just the nitty gritty of it, it's so therapeutic. Like if you go outside and step out into the morning sun, that's so uplifting. Mm. Yeah. So true. And and you're an herbalist. So you actually, you're talking about tinctures and things. How did you learn that? Or how do you know what to use on the land? Like I'm looking at it going, I've got dandelions. Do I do something with those? (laughs) Is this this training? Is this something you passed down? through your um, family or stories, I guess, of uh, 
quote the old folk as Grammy yeah. used to call and them. And who who was the old folk? Was this I really down don't know. Um, oh. Just what they used to do. I was just listening to stories that my grandmother would say. You know, the old folk would make don't do this, but soak tansy in the in um, in jars in the windowsill or. And I always thought that was so fascinating. And I was, when I was little, you know, I was always making cauldrons of potions and mixing them up. So I think I just kind of carried that on. And over the years here, working land myself and then finding on um, Instagram different, uh, just connecting with different people and, and coming across herbalism. And I thought, oh, well, I can incorporate that into homestead, into home and, and make, you know, tinctures and teas and use the yarrow and use the dandelions and use the plantain and, and use. And then I started discovering all these other things that I had growing in the gardens that, you know, were weeds that uh, were edible and usable. So I've um, took some courses through the um, Herbal Academy. And then I'm currently enrolled in courses through the Wild Rose College here in Canada. So, yeah. So oh, just, wow. Yeah. And so you like, you really do live off the land and be able to find what's on your homestead and be able to turn it into something to, like teas and things like that. As much as I can. Yep. And what does that do for you? Like it, 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 we talked about nature as medicine and we know so much of really our modern day medicines really come from, all of it comes from nature, I guess, in some mm -hmm. way. Um, I guess, yeah, I guess when you take it, are you taking it for medicine, for peace? I, cause I have a hard time with tastes and textures. So I'm thinking, oh gosh, if I had to drink dandelion tea, I'm not sure if I, if I could do that. I feel like you're brave to do that. Um, it is bitter. That's for sure. <laughs> that's what I'm worried about. I guess I have a very sugary palate. <laughs> uh, but do you drink it for medicines? Like you're learning about it, how it can help you be healthier? Uh, yeah, it's good for um, your digestion and your liver. Um, I'm not going to get into too much of it. I don't think you're right now, but Daniel, no, yeah. they're, they're, um, they're great. You can um, use the roots as a coffee substitute. You can saute the leaves up. And eat them like you would spinach or pop them in your salad. Um, and the blossoms, you can make jellies and teas or, you know, fry them up like fritters. Mm -hmm. But but it is for more of a healthy living person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. You, you recognize the value, you know, the, I guess the nutritional content the nutrition, yeah. or the the power of whatever it is. Yeah. Cause I find that, yeah, that's so interesting. I've heard of one other person that, that does this and uh, I thought that's fascinating to have the kind of knowledge to, to live off the land. Um, we, we talked about um, during the pandemic, there's been a maker's movement and certainly, I mean, tons of people last year, you can see we're doing gardening um, gardening seemed to be a really popular one or maybe making pickles and things like that. What do you think that whole connection was, you know, that inspired that maker's movement during the pandemic? Oh, um, I don't know if it was that there just wasn't, wow. Well, everything was closed down, right? So we had, I can't say no other choice, but 
That's sort of. <laughs> sort of, yes, yes, in some instances. Yeah. yeah. I think well, we need a connection, right? We're, we were limited to who we could see and, and where we could go. So I think, I think that the whole gardening aspect of it and getting back to our roots was that connection of connection it just mm. something to hold on to something to do and I think there was, yeah and I think there was a big encouragement too on social media for um was it there was that whole sourdough bread yes. you know <laughs> there so, was a lot of things going on yeah so everybody was trying to learn how to make sourdough bread and and everybody you know making pickles and jams and, and growing in their garden and um we didn't have the outdoor markets a lot of the time, but there were a lot of roadside stands. So I think there was a lot of people were out, you know, what we could do, we, we could go for a drive and, you know, everybody, if you didn't garden, you stopped at a roadside stand and you picked up some uh, bags of green beans and went home and you pickled them. And there was, you know, there was shortages of mason jars and there were shortages of vinegar at the store. <laughs> like it was crazy. And for those of us who do that every year, we were, it was, I was just like, what, what a is, pain. it kind of was for me, you know, yeast couldn't get yeast. Oh yeah. That was bad. I was that like, was what's happening that there's no yeast on the shelves. I'm like, oh, yep. everybody was baking. Everybody was. Yes. And it's awesome. That was awesome. And I, and I laughed and I thought, oh, boy. Wow. They're doing what you do every day. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was, we had to get stuck. You know, there was a bunch of us uh, chatting and we're like, okay, so how are we going to make yeast here? What are we going to do? And as you know, some people were using raisins and it was so funny. I was just like, wow. Okay. That's interesting. So you had an alternative option. You couldn't get it on the shelf. So of course you turned to a way to, to create yeast. Mm. That's interesting. What you talked about, um, you know, I guess it kind of forced us, you know, during the pandemic to move into this makers movement. And it almost felt like to me that, you know, when the pandemic came, it's not something that we wanted, but it, in some ways it almost felt like something that we needed. It's like we were moving too fast, going too crazy, too disconnected, and something just said, stop. That's what all, in, in some sort of metaphorical or spiritual way, it's like a big reset button. And it actually forced us to, even though it's, there's also other downsides, uh, you know, people's mental health and so on. Mm -hmm. But for people who wanted to reconnect with themselves or reconnect to these things that you talk about that you do every single day, um, it, it forced that. And people had time to try things and play and be creative. Yeah. And, and everything you're speaking to in this podcast is just slowing down. And we had to slow down. We had no choice. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I hope, I hope it carries over. Like, I hope that just wasn't, you know, right. just during the pandemic. I hope that's, I hope it's going to carry on. And I hope that the bug got in people and, you know, there's going to be more people gardening. There's going to be more kids learning how to knit, more kids, you know, more people macrame. Like, where did, all, where did that come from? <laughs> like, wow, everybody's was, doing macrame. It's true. That's something I used to see, like, in my grandmother's kitchen, the macrame planter. And now it's like a thing again, an art that people can't get enough of and want to purchase it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think it's so funny 
really myself because it was like you know these crafts that were from the 70s 60s and 70s that and they just kind of died off in the 80s and 90s it just disappeared and and last year it was just like I don't think you could scroll through Instagram without seeing a macrame something Mm, that's so true that's so true. Yeah, I, I love all the connections. And I think that's the question all of us have to ask ourselves: is what are we walking out of this pandemic with? You know, what are the things that you found uh, or that you did that you want to continue? You know, if it's gardening, you know, is it gardening you want to continue or did it teach you mindfulness? And how can you find that in other ways if you don't continue to garden? You know, so I think that's the question we all have to ask ourselves. Um that what has it taught us? What is it, you know, what did we, what do we love about this time that was forced us to be much slower? Um, one of the things that a lot of what you're talking about, um, this way of life connects us to traditions, right? Mm. Knitting gets handed down. I mean, I grew up in a, my grandmother's a crocheter. Another grandmother was a quilter. You know, I have memories of me sort of sitting underneath her quilt set up in the living room while I watched Another World, you know? <laughs> it was like yeah, it was exactly. Sport. Right, so we have all these uh, traditions, but I am i haven't continued the quilting thing, but how do we, uh, you know, continue these traditions? Like, do your children do any of this? Have they passed it on? Do they just see it as a lifestyle or do they participate in this? Um, well... <laughs> um they don't garden they're not gardeners and that's okay my daughter has has plants and my son has one plant in his room so that's I guess gonna be passed on um no my son's just totally into different things and my daughter does crochet a bit but it's it's different it's there they know how to do it my son started to cook a little more, so hopefully that'll pick up and maybe he'll start baking some and, and doing that. So he's he'll be 18 soon, so he's just starting to find his way to the kitchen to cook meals. <laughs> Funny how that happens when they get hungry. <laughs> oh, dear. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I put a garden in uh, last year and I had one before and I thought, Oh, this would be so great. You know, the kids will want to be out there working in the garden. Nada. Mm. You know, I'm like, does somebody want to pick a carrot? How fun is that to pick something that you grew, but you know, they'll walk past it. I mean, yeah. You know, so, but I always think that, you know, just like I watched my parents and grandparents do all these things, it's planting seeds. And you may not do it now, but you may come back to it in a time in your life where you recall doing that and, and want to try it. Like I see my daughter being interested. She's a very crafty and always has been. And 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 she'll do it in some way, like to paint or, you know, knit yep. something. And, and it may not be appropriate for their lifestyle now, but you never know how or where that might serve them in some way. So really it's like leading by example and who know who knows what what the impact of that is right oh that's so true yeah yeah so it's like you said planting the seed for it now they they're growing up with it around them so hopefully mm-hmm. hopefully they'll carry it on in some way or pass it on in in some way even if it's you know a story if they don't Absolutely. do it you know maybe they tell their children or their grandchildren in the future you know when i was little you know mom had a big garden and we used to run out and snack peas, which they, that's about the only thing they'll go out and harvest out of the garden are snow peas, but <laughs> they yeah. guess them out there in the garden, right? So as long as I have them in the garden, they will venture out. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. 
see the power of that. That's so true. Uh, yeah, I love I love all that um, connection to nature and and I think you're just creating memories when you're doing it as well. I mm -hmm. mean, there's nothing like uh, being in a kitchen where there's home cooked meals and baking and you know I can conjure up all those smells and memories from my childhood and I've tried to create that as best I can for my own kids as well um, and you know tr you know trying to get them to participate in it. But my daughter ha is you know is a fabulous baker like she's. 10 times the baker I was at her age, you know, she can handle all sorts of things. So certainly it has been, in, you know, she's picked up something along the way. So hard to say where, where all that goes, but I, I see it as a place where she can express her creativity. And that's kind of the cool part, right? Like decorating cookies or yeah. doing all those kinds of things. So, yeah, for yeah. sure. What has um, homesteading taught you about yourself? <sighs> that I can be very impatient at times <laughs> that I need <laughs> to have patience. It's, it's taught me patience. That's the biggest thing is it's not going to all be done right now. And we have to learn things take time. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's, that's the biggest thing I've learned about myself. What has the whole process of being on a homestead taught you about success and failure? Mm. Oh my, lots, I think. Um, but to also, if it fails, you've, you know, what's the lesson and learn from that, learn from your mistakes and, you know, move on the next year. Is there anything, um, about slow living that you want to say or ideas that you have about it that I haven't asked you about? Mm, I don't know. Just that it's, it's going to look different for everybody. Just, mm -hmm. you know, slow living for me is homesteading, which doesn't sound like slow living, but it's to me, that's, that's it. And to you, it might be jumping in a van and traveling across Canada and, you know, taking each day as it comes to you or, it might just be um, living in a high-rise apartment and taking your days as they come, having your plan, but doing things that are for you, doing, the, doing what you want to do, not what you think you need to do or what you think everybody else thinks you need to do, but, you know, coming to yourself and finding intentionally what you want in your life i think is what slow living is if it's not what you want or not what you feel if you're not getting that good energy vibe from it that's toss it aside and move on to something else it's making you feel good it's if it's not then you're putting energy into something that's not meant for you i think that's my yeah absolutely my take on it and one of the things that, you know, in our pre-chat you talked about, you were shocked by the number, I guess, of makers here in southern New Brunswick. And, you know, because you were talking about trying to find a place to to uh, buy natural, <clears throat> excuse me, natural fibers because you're a knitter. And I was thinking, oh, you don't buy that at Michael's? <laughs> and I didn't realize, I'm like, oh, you can actually have, you know, have to go buy that from somebody. So I think there's probably all these wonderful people out here doing all of these kinds of things. How do we um, connect to those people. I guess, you know, for one thing, people go and follow you and see what you're up to. You're doing that. You're blogging, you're t telling your, your thoughts on your website. 
But how, how do we connect more to people like yourself who are making things? Um, Get to your local markets, I think is the biggest thing. And taking the time to talk to the makers, the growers, just, yeah. And then you'll have the connection and maybe they, you know, maybe you like the craft that they do or, or the vegetables that they grow, but there's something that they don't have that you're looking for and ask. And I, they're more than happy to send you in the direction of, you know, their friend who's a shepherd who has their own flock and is, you know, just has their sheep for meat and they toss the wool. They'd be more than happy to, you know, sell you the fiber so that you could have it processed or whatever. Like it's, there's, there is a disconnect, I think, in our province between those who are looking for a product and those who have it and don't know what to do with it. And I think it's a matter of ask, asking, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, if you don't ask, you're never going to find it. And, and, and I'm even thinking as you're saying these things that, you know, going to the markets and meeting these people and finding out about them. And part of it is, you know, that's patience and, um, you know, not the instant gratification, like going to the store and purchasing something just to have it. But, you know, sometimes you have to wait for these things or finding out where you can buy homemade eggs or who makes leather or something or other or mm-hmm. like all these things. Right. So um, not wanting the instant gratification around all that stuff. No, no. And yeah, and I think your market, a mar- any market or roadside stand or even asking your neighbor, do you know somebody who, you know, does this, grows this, makes this, builds this? And you'd be so surprised as to, oh, you know, you're going to get, oh, yeah, you know, so-and-so did. And if they don't need more, I'm sure they can send you in the right direction of, you know, who does. And that's that connection. And we, Mm -hmm. and that's, we've lost that along the way. And that's, I think this last year has taught us that we need that and we need to rely on each other. We do, we cannot, Mm -hmm. we can't, um, we can't survive in a world where we're not connected to each other. We just can't, Mm -hmm. I don't think. Great, no, great message. So I I think that's what it is, just taking the time to make those connections. Check ads, uh, you know, Google it. If it's not on Google, Facebook, somebody on Facebook will know. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. Somebody will know. Always knows. Uh, (laughs) But that's a great message. We, you know, we we are all connected and there is that oneness. So it's being able to support each other. You're right. If there's anything we've learned from living through a pandemic that we need each other to get through it, whether it's emotionally, you know, physically, you know, sharing your yeast that someone may be hoarding. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Whatever that is that the other person may need, give something of yourself. Yeah, I, I love this mindful conversation because it's more than homesteading. And as you're pointing out, you know, it doesn't have to be homesteading for you. It can be whatever it is that that you're doing and wherever you are. And I think it's always about moving toward your most authentic life. And, you know, say so you've said you've, 
you know, you've been in the corporate world or, you know, in this other world other than homesteading and it wasn't for you. So I hear yourself sort of tuning in your life that you you know what your most authentic life is, how you want to live that. And during that process and that journey, I'm sure you've learned some things. And I'm just curious um, to wrap up our conversations. What have you learned about the power of being you? Living this life that that you've chosen. Why is it awesome to be Angela? Because <laughs> I'm words. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I hope just nobody else like me. And that's taken, and that sounds so cliche, but it's taken a long time. Um, and I come back to my knitting because I think that's where I'm at in my head right now. But it's mm-hmm. that comparison, right? You get okay, so every, you know, you knit and then you start seeing everybody else doing the same thing you're doing and, and you get, oh, well, you know, you, you get real down about, you know, you're comparing yourself to the Southern knitter or the Southern maker or the Southern. And I, I think it's it's taught me that, no, I'm, I have a place here. Mine is not like yours. And when you see that, yours is yours, you are you, you succeed. Do you know what I mean? Like that, and I think out of that, that's my takeaway. And that's where I'm at. That's where I'm going. That's where I am. That's. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. And I think that's very relatable, a very relatable message. What has become abundantly clear to you? that nothing will ever, ever go as planned. (laughs) (laughs) You can count on that. (laughs) Uh, I love it. Uh, Do you have more to say about that or? (laughs) Um, You can be as prepared as you want and, and there's always going to be something. Um, I, I don't know. What comes to mind for me for that is um, my husband had worked away for a while in Ontario. And I think it was the summer the house just decided, and I say the house because I'm pretty sure it decided that he was done working away and he needed to stay home. And I don't know if the house was sending the message or if I was vibing that so hard, but it was what broke. And if it could break in this house, it broke. It was the fridge and the stove and the hot water tank and the pressure tank. And if it was everything that year and it just did not. Yep. That's what comes to mind. I love it. And I was by myself. And that's another thing. Like I had to, you know, come up with how this was going to get fixed or how this was going to get replaced and and all of that by myself. And that, you know, you can do it. That's, I guess that's another thing too. You, you can do it no matter what it is. You can do it. You can get through it. But yeah, Mm -hmm. this old house. (laughs) This old house. (laughs) (laughs) And lastly, what does the world need most? Connection. <laughs> we need connection. Right. We need we need hugs. We need we need us to honor the earth and nature and realize that we need to be its friend and be mindful of the footprints that we put down and leave behind. Mm. I think. 
So good. Mm. Thank you for agreeing to have this conversation with me because uh, I think it's 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 much needed, and I can even feel your pace of your voice has a nice slow rhythm to it, <laughs> <laughs> which is good for my energy. Um, so I appreciate you sharing your perspective, and uh, so thank you for having this conversation. Well, thank you fun. for having me. That was such a great conversation. If you loved it too, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Please go to iTunes to rate and review this podcast. And if you want to continue the conversation, connect with Soul Sister Conversations on the Facebook and Instagram pages. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Dana Lloyd Leadership, on Twitter at Coach Dana underscore Lloyd, and of course on LinkedIn. See you next week.